Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Talk of the Trinity podcast. I am Baz Barrett, and unfortunately, despite my reckless promise to the contrary at the start of the last episode, whereby I said I would be joined in person by my co-host, Mr. Trinity himself, Will Forrest, events have once more conspired against us. So whilst you will be hearing from Will later, don't worry, you will have Will and Baz, not Will and Baz. But one thing that you can always rely on, rain or shine, is our Twitter page. At, well, I say Twitter page. Do I have to say formerly known as Twitter? X. You know what I'm talking about. But you also know when I am talking about being kept up to date with all the latest filler news, previews, reviews, depending on the result. I've also got a poll in there or two. Keeping you up to date with all those latest transfer rumours, thick and fast. At time of recording, we had not signed anybody this week, so I'm not going to delve into that side of things too much. You can also check out our previous episodes on YouTube and listen to our audio providers. We're on our audio providers, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google. We are also on Banhub. Mentioned, you can find some reviews on there. Does unfortunately bring us to events at St. James's Park last Saturday in the 5.30 game. The Sky cameras were there for those in the UK to witness Newcastle 5, Aston Villa 1. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on where you want to look at it, I did not get to see the game live and I kept away from my phone until I was able to get back to Barrett Towers past the midnight hour so a few beers down at about quarter to two i was questioning my life decisions after seeing the full-time whistle blow and the villa players were probably quite pleased that the full-time whistle blew after the late onslaught that boosted the scoreline a little in terms of newcastle's performance if you listen to the preview show, I did, unfortunately, predict a Newcastle win. But the nature of the Newcastle win, even if you think the scoreline was slightly inflated, which touch upon again a bit later, it was a Newcastle team straight out of the blocks, as anticipated, and they did put on a very good performance looking to banish their Terrible memories of the last time the teams played at Villa Park, disregarding our So You On Over to America uh, a couple of weeks previously. Won't focus on Newcastle too much. Isaac looks a good player. Barnes, is he going to be the one that got away? Tonali, imagine how good he'd be if he actually wanted to be there. Even Anthony Gordon, who I almost forgot about, appears to have been revigorated by the summer Euro under-21s and his player of the tournament performances there. He looked a real live wire. But mainly from a Villa perspective, apart from the score, the main talking point, the main outcome is the injury to Tyrone Mings. Like, Unfortunately, like the worst injuries often are, looked very innocuous when he went down to the turf. It looks like He's done his ACL and he's not coming back. Probably for the season, really. Um, you'd anticipate a great shame. No second serious 
injury that he's had in his career. And unfortunately, all the talk about four quality centre-backs Villa had is now reduced to three quality centre-backs. Paul Torres came on. He looked assured going forwards until the Newcastle onslaught in the second half came. So we'll see if he's able to continue to slot in to the team while in a calmer environment, which you would anticipate spoiler alert for the review, uh, for the preview coming later on in the episode, you would expect his home debut at Villa Park to be a slightly more laid back affair than what he found at St. James's. But focusing on the positives, because we've got to try and clutch at those, Musa Diaby, good goal, looked lively, certainly looks like he may be justifying the, the hype and the price tag. And it was the attacking play. I touched upon it in the preview. Villa looked pretty good attacking in the pre-season games. And in the first half in particular, really did look lively. Um, and like we could go toe-to-toe in an attacking sense with many of the teams in the division. And you know, as matters did fall apart a little in the second half. But even then, if Matt Cash would have scored his chance, made it 3-2, you never know. Yeah, you know, it's one of those many what-if moments in football. Ollie Watkins also missed a chance earlier on in the game. But you're looking in terms of, you know, the, the numbers on the page. Possession, fairly equal, 53-47, Newcastle's favour. Goal attempts, 17 on, uh, for Newcastle, 16 for Villa. But the real difference, you know, those goals, those shots on target, Newcastle, 13 out of 17 on target, Villa, 6 out of 16. And, you know, the result of that was Emmy Martinez, one of Villa's best players on the day, even though we conceded five. They're de- demonstrating what a great perfor- performance he had. And also in terms of what a big difference he makes to this team, which you'd realise if he was not in the team, the, the quality goes down considerably. But, you know, in, in terms of those attacking stats, Newcastle had slightly more passes, Villa had slightly more attacks. You know, so f- fairly even. I mean, you, you could have an, an argument that the scoreline, you know, flat at Newcastle. And I think there was an element of Villa going to chase the game in the closing stages and being hit on the break a few times to pad the score. But uh, I think behind closed doors, not that I'd you know, admit this in open conversation, but I think Newcastle were, you, know, you can't argue they didn't deserve the win in all honesty. But, you know, all the talk of infant Pundits after the game about Villa's high line. I mean, we talked about it last season. It's such a high risk reward strategy that inevitably, when a team does score a goal against us, um, breaking the offside trap, there's arms are flailing in terms of the merits or lack thereof of that system. But, you know, it's, it's similar in terms of a goalie plays out from the back and misplaces the pass or gets tackled. Criticism of that system takes place in terms of oh, goalie just needs to get rid of the ball and all that. Um, ultimately, 
it's not a system that we are going to drop under Emre. There's going to be days where we're going to get caught. We're just going to have to suck it up, unfortunately. And, you know, in terms of Collins' mistake for the third goal, just got to suck it up as well. You, you know, in terms, especially with Ming's injured, you're going to anticipate Konza is going to stay in the, in the starting lineup for continuity purposes. Um, if nothing else, while we bed in how Torres in into the team. And you know, speaking of debutants, it was Yuri Tillemans got a run out in the in the centre midfield. Good, good to see him. You can see he's got an eye for a pass wasn't able to stem the tide and then as mentioned in the preview there lesser spotted Coutinho got, got a run out um, near the end of the game you anticipate he will be more of a feature in the, in the squad as time goes on and speaking of time goes on uh, I think we've talked enough you know in for me anyway because you, you might have to listen to what Will has to say um, about that game so I will move swiftly away from St. James's Park to upcoming events on Sunday, 2pm, Villa Park, whereby we welcome our perennial August visitors, Everton. And in what appears to be a common theme for Everton, unfortunately for them over the last few years, disgruntlement around um, Goodison, especially after their first game of the season where they lost at home to Fulham 1-0 and a situation for Everton whereby they just can't buy a goal, can they? In terms of the stats for this game, nine shots on target, 19 attempts in total, no goals, Fulham have two shots on target, score with one their goalie makes nine saves. Everton strikers, um, Malpay misses a few chances. And, you know, a real feeling of discontent continues to envelop Goodison Park. And, well, actually, Young made his debut. So you expect he will play on Sunday and he will get a good reception from the Villa faithful, no doubt, but from a Villa perspective, when you've had a big loss as we did against Newcastle, it's a really good team to play in Everton, isn't it? I know Will will be jumping up and down in terms of Will's law, whereby a team struggling, low on confidence, dismissed, no hopers, come to Villa and win. Yeah, you can see that has that potentially written all over it, but from a Villa perspective, we haven't got a problem scoring goals under Emery in terms of only only a couple of games in the Premier League since he's taken over where we haven't scored. So you're expecting at least one at home to Everton on a Sunday, which is more than halfway to, towards getting a win. And in terms of you know, Villa's starting lineup, you're not expecting too many Changes really. Torres will come in for Mings, no doubt. Moreno, at time recording, not don't believe he's going going to be fit. So Dinya will play. Although talk of a potential move to Saudi Arabia. Really, in an attacking sense, the only player you'd have question marks whether they play is Leon Bailey. Do you play Villa and Bidace 
or, or potentially do you play Coutinho? I'd be tempted to play Bidace. Um Just a bit of pace at this Everton back line, a bit of something different, you know, for Everton to deal with. He hasn't been seen much in the Premier League over the last couple of years, low moves to the Championship. So it's not really something from an Everton perspective, I would have thought they would be too keen um, to face, especially when they need an early result this season to stop the discontent getting any deeper. So in that perspective, coming to prediction time, and I mentioned Will and in terms of his usual laws in, in terms of these type of games. So I am going to flip the script and be positive bat because I think this is going to be a comfortable Villa victory. And I'm going to go to nil. Villa to get their account up and running for the 2023-24 season and onwards and upwards in the Premier League and the perfect preparation for our Europa League, Europa Conference League playoff game on the Thursday against Hibernian. Nice trip to Edinburgh um, up there then for those lucky enough to be able to get a ticket. So you've heard my thoughts in terms of what's been going on um, on the pitch and what will go on the pitch in the next week. What does my co-host think? I'll pass you over. You don't have to wait any longer because you'll be hearing from Mr. Trinity himself right now. There you go. You've heard what Baz has had to say about the Newcastle away game, if you can call it a game, and also his preview for the Everton game, a game that he's always played in August. Everton at home, isn't it? Remember our first victory back in the Premier League? was that 2-0 win, the Jota pass to Wesley, and then the El Ghazi goal at the very end. Now, I, I don't want to talk about Newcastle too much, apart from to say that I think that that performance will be the catalyst for a very good season. We can't play any worse, and we would have learned a lot more from that than he learned on our really good runs last year. So, let's look at Everton. Everton at home. They've signed a few players. Players that maybe we haven't heard of. One we definitely have, and that's Jack Harrison. On loan from Leeds. Taught that we tried to hijack that deal. But, alas, because of his injury uh, problems, we decided, actually, no, we don't need any more injured players. So, we'll leave it. Thank you very much. We haven't gone in for him. Everton, obviously, after Nonto. Nonto, at the time of recording, for me, hasn't joined Leeds, uh, hasn't joined Everton even. But you look at it and you think getting rid of Connor Cody probably wasn't the, the best idea for them. Everton lost first game out, not as badly as we did, but they lost to Fulham. And they, they just really seem to lack a striker, don't they? That's what seems to be the problem for Everton because Calvert-Lewin hasn't done it for a while now since suffering that big injury that he did. But speaking of injuries, we've got Emi Buendia out. It was a massive blow before the start of the season and we didn't think things could get much worse and then means did get worse. 
it looks like seven to nine months for them both, who have both now had surgery as well. But Tyrone means he, he shocked us to the core against Newcastle. I firmly believe that he's a leader on the pitch, and now we need players to step up. Or we need to be tactically clever. Before I go on to that, though, Tyrone, Emmy, wishing you both a speedy recovery. You've been massive players for us since joining. Particularly Tyrone means who he's the lifeblood of the team. He's taken over, really, with John McGinn, that sort of Jack Grealish cult hero status. And whilst there are fans who don't like things, you're going to get that sort of thing at every club. But nobody would have wished him this pain. Nobody would have wished this on him because they realise what a catalyst he is to our success. Hence, Unai Embry rewarding him with a new contract. For me, though, when I look at how we can be clever with this, it starts with the back line. Emmy Martinez, in goal, without question, without doubt. Why wouldn't Martinez be in goal? He made some fantastic saves last weekend that could have made things a lot worse for us. Fortunately, they didn't, and they were bad enough as it was. Matty Cash got a bit of stick. Would I play Matty Cash this weekend? No. No, I wouldn't. Not just because of his performance last week. Yes, he missed the open goal, but those chances come at you fast. And when you're a right-back, you're not really going to really have those chances too much. But I wouldn't have him. I would have a more defensive-minded right-back. And I'd push Esri there or play Callum Chambers. But because of how he did last season, I'd put Esri there. How he did last season, he played a centre-back with Mings. Yes, he did. But he was very good there uh, at centre-back. He played really well. Let's keep him in the team. Let's tell him that last weekend was a blip. But let's move him to right-back. And let's have Diego Carlos and Paul Torres as our two centre-backs. Well, you want to play two players who haven't even completed two full 90-minute matches in the Premier League. Yes, that's right, listeners. That's exactly what I want to do. Two Spanish-speaking centre-backs playing with another South American in goal for them. Yes, OK. Different. Well, I do apologise because... Diego Carlos would actually be Portuguese-speaking, wouldn't he? But still, there's not too many differences between the languages. Um, feel free to write in and berate me over that. But I'd have those two and Emi Martinez in goal as well. Emi can speak in his native tongue to Torres. Carlos can also speak with them. And hopefully that will add a little bit more comfort to the team. At left-back, you get Luka Din. You get Din to attack that bit more and you move it into a back three from the right. Conta, Carlos, Pau, with Din moving on. My two central midfielders, now it was a very uncharacteristic Bubakar Kamara performance last week, but unfortunately for Bubakar Kamara, he's got Yuri Tielemans ready and waiting to come in to the team. And for me, I'd have Dougie Louise again to that South American connection and spine through the team and I put Yuri Tielemans in. I try and get Tielemans a bit higher up the pitch. Same with Dougie. Both central midfielders really. 
and see what we can do there with them. And then if all else fails, Bubakar Kamara comes up. My right midfielder, well, this is where it all starts to get a little bit, what, who? You're playing him there? At the moment, I think we're struggling a little bit. Zaniolo, likely injured, may not be able to play in the game. Wouldn't have expected him to start anyway, if I'm being completely honest with you. Leon Bailey does not start for me. Not a chance in hell. He was not great at all last weekend. He needs to put his finger out. So let's go and put John McGinn on the right of midfield. John McGinn has done fantastically well there. He can cut inside, he can offer defensive support as well. He can he can get further up the pitch. We know that John McGinn is ready to be the John McGinn that we he became last season. On the left wing for me, it's Philogene Bidace. Philogene or Bidace, whichever Jaden, it's him. He's on the left wing. Give him a chance to drive at Everton. Give him a chance to run at them. Give him a chance to link up with Luca Dean. You've got to, you've got to use him at some point. He's he's ready for the Premier League. He's ready for the Premier League. Then my two up front, I could have thrown in Cameron Archer. I'm not going to. I could have thrown in Philippe Coutinho as well. And I don't think I would just yet. Though the South American connection helps there again. Instead, we'll stick with Ollie Watkins, who I don't think had the greatest of games last week. The miss didn't help, and all of the other stuff going on with the injuries wouldn't have helped either. And partnering him, Moussa Diaby. Diaby was electric until he tired just before he went off, and if we can get Diaby on the ball, high up that pitch, he will cause that Everton backline no end of problems. And hopefully, we'll see a home debut goal for him. So that would be my team. Subs very much pick themselves with what we've got available at the moment. But if it's not working, then you get Coutinho on and you push the RB up as the striker rather than the shadow striker. Or you get Cameron Archer on. It makes it a little bit more of the formation that we used last year, but also offers the flexibility to do what Unai Emery wants to do with the team moving forward and turn it into that back three as we progress up the pitch. Danger man for tomorrow? Well, I think it goes without saying that our danger man will be Moussa Diaby while he's on it. He's going to try and impress. He's going to run at the opposition. He's hopefully going to back a goal or two for us. And no doubt he'll come off to a standing ovation at some point. Everton, well, I've seen enough of them, but I think that Jordan Pickford's going to have quite a bit to do because that Villa Park crowd are going to get behind the team, going to lift them, and help Rawson to success. At the moment, unfortunately, I do see Everton scoring. I don't know who's going to score for them. I think that they will score. But I'm going to go for quite a nice little victory. 
because I think if we can get one, we'll get two, and if we get two, we'll bag a few. But I'm going to go even better than that. I'm going to go for a morale-boosting Aston Villa 4, Everton 1. And on that note, I will say, cheers, Tar. Thank you very much for listening to the to the audio podcast. We weren't on YouTube last week. We may not be on it this week. I haven't decided yet. We've got Europe to look forward to as we take on John McGinn's ex-team Hibernian in the Europa Conference League playoff. But before we talk about Europe, we've got a different E to contend with. And that could be a little bit sticky against the Toffees of Everton. But you've just got to try and stay positive, guys. And I'm sure, in the words of a famous Scouts band, Unai Emery will be thinking to himself, try to see things my way, because we can work it out. Cheers, sir. Thank you very much. As always, he's Villa till he dies. I'm Villa till I die. Up the villa. <laughs>